Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Mangum. And I'm Mark Anderson. And this is another segment of World Impact News. Today, we're going to be talking about COVID vaccine trials show serious side effects. That's right. The COVID vaccine trials have begun. They're already multi-site, multi-people. They find these volunteers and guinea pigs, and they are already in phase three. Now, we have a lot of different information we're going to share with you in a very short period of time. Mark's going to fill in a lot of the details, and uh, but let's look at what's happening right now with the coronavirus clinical trials that are taking place uh, primarily as we look at America because America is really kind of the uh, ground zero, so to speak, when it comes to these different clinical trials. But what we're seeing now is, and what it appears from the NIH website, you can go check this out for yourself, but as these different companies, there's multiple companies such as there's Moderna, there is AstraZeneca, and there are these, these different companies out there that are doing the clinical testings for a coronavirus vaccine, uh, what it appears is that there is about 30,000 people that are volunteering to do the clinical trials in each of these different companies, uh, pharmaceutical companies, that are doing the actual clinical testing. But let's look at what is happening because we're talking about the side effects. And so, Mark, I'm just going to jump into and then jump in anytime to fill in some of the details, and some of the gaps that I might be leaving out. But let's get right to the point. What we're seeing in the coronavirus vaccine testing is they started with ferrets. So they did a animal testing and picked to use ferrets. So you say, well, why did they use ferrets? Because ferrets have an immune system like us, like ours, like humans. So it's the closest, should, should I say, might be a better way to describe that. It's a, it's a closer immune system to ours. So once they got into the challenge phase where they're boosting doses and things of that nature, and that challenge phase can get very dangerous, that's why they don't use it on adults, uh, humans, but they did it on the animals, and in this particular case, on ferrets. They found very, very adverse side effects, I mean, you have ferrets that are dying, paralyzed, different things going on that are seizing, you know, where they're seizing and things. So they basically started this challenge phase and ended it, Mark. So they, they opted out. We're not going to do any more clinical trials on animals, and we're going to end and opt out of the challenge phase. So now they moved over to human testing. So they found essentially 30,000 in each of these different company categories, that's what it looks like, as I mentioned in the beginning, and they needed these volunteers. Now, let me point out something about the volunteers, because you would think I'm, they're going to pick these wider demographics of age groups and age categories, but actually, they begin at 18 and end about 40. So really, the people that were in the, tri the clinical trials are in their 20s and 30s, essentially. Mark, isn't that amazing? It's a younger demographic where their immune system would be higher, not dealing with an, an older generation or older population. It might be a better way to say that. Yeah, I'll, I'll come in right there, Jason. That is precisely the kind of people that are healthy. They are the exact demographic 
that are by and large not getting ill from COVID-19, and certainly they're the demographic that's not dying. And so one wonders right there why they would include them. In another World Impact News segment, we cover the New York Times coming out with the fact that the common PCR test is so sensitive that it's detecting people and counting them as cases, even though they have such low viral loads that they're not sick themselves, of course, and they're not contagious to others. And that's going to be people largely in that precise age group. And that precise age group are the kind of people that are going to develop natural antibodies to this if they get sick at all to whatever degree. And by and large, they're not going to get sick to begin with. So these are the kind of people that you wouldn't want to test, in my well-informed opinion. And certainly they were never much at risk. So why use that age group at all? Uh, presupposing that a vaccine is necessary to begin with across the board, and especially presupposing that a vaccine would be necessary for people in that non-vulnerable age group. That is just questionable as can be right out of the starting gate. Absolutely. So huge flag. We see a younger demographic that's a healthier demographic with stronger immune systems. They're the ones that are going through these clinical testings. So now let's lay out the phases, because the testing has already reached in most of the cases, uh, especially with like Moderna and with uh, AstraZeneca, they're already in phase three of the clinical testing. But let's break it down because phase one. So here's what the data is showing. And you can go pull up this information. Matter of fact, the NIH has all kinds of charts and they show the different side effects, because that's what we're talking about today, the side effects and it, it identifies them, and it shows you the percentages of each side effect uh, based upon the volunteer who uh, they perform, the human guinea pig, so to speak, testing on, and they break it down for you. But here overall is what we're seeing. Phase one, out of that 30,000 for even for like Moderna, um, and again, remember, they're doing multi-site testing, Mark. So this is happening. So you that are watching and listening, this is a multi-site. So phase one of the clinical trials, 50% of the volunteers had a side effect. Many of them had what they are labeling as systemic side effects. So here's what we can see. We can see things like, chronic fatigue. I'm not just talking about where they had maybe pain or they had inflammation or, or something around where the injection was given, right? Right, Where the vaccine was given. I'm talking about physically in their body where they're having chronic fatigue. They're having chills. They're having headaches. They're having chronic migraine headaches. They're having myalgia. They're having uh, viral infections. So, you know, so when you're having these different things, even to the point where let's get into phase two. Now, remember, phase one, 50%. Now we're in phase two, which they increase the dosage. It's somewhere around 200, 250. I believe it's what they call MCG. As they increase the dosage, how many would you think had 
a side effect. Everyone, 100% having a side effect as the dosage increased. A lot of them are the same side effects, but there's a whole laundry list of these different things that are going on. But it's really interesting because now we get into phase three, and we can see in phase three, which is where uh, the majority are right now in the clinical trials, is 80% of the volunteers are experiencing side effects. Uh, a lot of those, too, is, and it's even admitted out there, uh, that you can see 20% needed serious medical intervention. So where you're having people that are having seizures or they're needing resuscitation. So that's what we're seeing. And if I didn't mention, if I failed to mention, I want to make it clear. In phase three, 80% of the volunteers had some sort of side effect, even calling it to the point of the word using systemic. Again, chronic fatigue, chronic migraine headaches, myalgia which is where people are having neurological pain, nerve pain, all kinds of chronic pain throughout their body, viral infections, all of these different things, that's what we're, we're seeing just in these clinical trials that are going on. And we understand there's a lot of, of trial testing going on when it comes to the coronavirus vaccine. But I want to mention this. It's very, very important. This is the other thing that is proven to be true in all of the, the clinical testing going on, which is the antibodies disappear after two to three months, making the vaccine useless and pointless. So unbelievable that somebody would subject themselves to this. Targeting the wrong demographic for a vaccine that evidently at this point, at the level of understanding we have at this, at this point, the truth as it stands, that evidently has a shelf life or effectiveness of only two to three months, again, with the wrong demographic. And, and I believe as a point of clarity, Jason, when the ferrets were tested in preliminary testing um, and they had the ferrets uh, having health problems, that was with Moderna, correct? Correct. Yeah, just a point of clarity there. Uh, yes, we have a very, very uh, troubling and ambiguous situation and arguably too ambiguous and too risky to seriously proceed with this overall uh, testing program going on around the world. A couple quick footnotes. More COVID-19 vaccines are being developed by researchers in the U.S. than in any other country, according to the World Health Organization, or WHO. The WHO's most recent update on global vaccine developments shows there are currently at least 133 vaccines, 133 separate vaccines being tested around the world at different levels of testing. Mm -hmm. Just as some background, U.S. institutions are working on the highest number of these, or 42. But get this, Chinese research facilities are working on 19 of them, making China the second highest number of vaccines being looked at. Now, Am I the only one that sees something just a little untoward about that? Some believe it and some don't. President Trump certainly does. He calls it the China virus. He claims China is largely responsible for this virus. I'm not going to argue that China is or isn't definitively, but 
Certainly, we wouldn't want to have China involved during tense trade negotiations, during times when Chinese relations are not at their best with the U.S. They're having to make a lot of economic concessions to, to the U.S. in the trade arena. Do we really want to trust, trust China to be um, making vaccines that would go in the bodies of Americans and other people around the world precisely at a time when Trump, President Trump is working on having more and more um, pharmaceutical components and ingredients and the infrastructure moved out of China and into the U.S., so more of it is American-made precisely at a time when President Trump is trying to drastically cut pharmaceutical prices, which is going to anger a lot of those in the, in the powerful pharmaceutical industry here and abroad. Is this a time we want China participating in actually formulating vaccines? I ask the question. I think it answers itself, Jason. Yeah, it's just amazing to me, too, that you see all of these clinical trials that are going on, too, are in conjunction with universities. And we understand they do that because of the BioDole Act, where they actually can now own the patents. So there's a lot of other things we won't necessarily expose and talk about in this segment, but we just want to show you that the data is there showing the adverse side effects of what is happening. I mean, the AstraZeneca, they've halted testing completely. Their clinical trial has shut down because of the spinal inflammation that happened in one of their patients, but I've actually read some articles that it's not just confined to a single person. So that that inflammation uh, is been experienced in more of their patients. So we have to be real careful as we look at it. Remember, right. Mark, especially the, the mainstream media, even Dr. Anthony Fauci, they're going to deflect or talk about certain things to move away from dirt, certain subject matters and point attention to something to take attention off of what's really happening. So we got to really look at this, uh, evaluate it, you know, seek what's really the facts and the data and go by that. Absolutely. And that's worth noting as we summarize this segment, Jason, AstraZeneca's Corona vaccine, the New York Post has been reporting, could still be ready this year, even though it had to halt a key clinical study after a participant got sick. And this AstraZeneca is a British pharmaceutical firm working in conjunction with Oxford on its part of the vaccine trials. And it paused phase three to review the participants' unexplained illness, which is how AstraZeneca describes it. However, the woman reportedly came down with a rare neurological condition called transverse myelitis. But AstraZeneca is backing away from that and saying that there was no final diagnosis but what I heard, uh, Anthony Fauci, the, the illustrious doctor, the, the, the rock star, he was talking to John Roberts of Fox News, and he said that AstraZeneca stopping this is a sign that the system is working because that's checks and balances. The, the company is being conscientious. If, if a woman got sick with this spinal condition, this neurological condition, that was the right thing for AstraZeneca to do. Now, on one level... His argument is true, that it is right for AstraZeneca to halt the trials because of what happened to this woman. But it sounds like deflection because he was leaving room for AstraZeneca and evidently, by extension, these other companies and all these efforts we're hearing about for them to go full steam ahead, nevertheless, as long as there's these checks and balances. But what we're showing here 
I believe convincingly, is that it's it really goes beyond that. We have a situation where it's never been definitively shown that corona, the coronavirus, the whole COVID-19 phenomenon, it's never been shown it was nearly as serious as we were told. We know from the Collin County, Texas example, they've been overcounting cases, overcounting deaths, uh, throwing in probable cases along with lab-confirmed cases, and even those lab-confirmed cases are iffy because of the unreliability of the tests. There's been financial incentives to count non-COVID deaths as COVID deaths. The comorbidity issue we've covered in other segments of World Impact News. Uh, when you shake it all out, Jason, there's no justification to have a vaccine to begin with, let alone discussing how the trials are going. So it's kind of a multi-level thing here that we're looking at. But it's just not been definitively shown. It has not been proved, and that is the big lie that we've been trying to diffuse. And this kind of rides the coattails of that lie, them claiming we need this vaccine. When, and when you look at all the anomalies and the inconsistencies and the problems we're citing, they just, they've never made a case for the vaccine to begin with. So that's, that's the real bottom line issue here, the real takeaway. Yeah, and here's my final thoughts on that as we end this segment is, really, there has in the human in mankind's lifetime, which is very long, there has not been anything that has eradicated the human species. There's nothing that's wiped us out. And we could even see now with COVID-19, 99% of the people live. So why do we need a vaccine that's affecting 50, then 100, then 80% of the people that take it? So, you know, the side effects are so adverse even having serious to where they're having medical intervention that's necessary to revive the person or do other kinds of treatment on a serious level. So here's something where 99% of the population lives, is good, doesn't affect them, or if it did, they recovered. And so, but the vaccine has these serious side effects that are affecting people and that unfortunately, as it's showing the antibodies go away in two to three months these side effects don't go away. And so some of them are chronic, myalgia. They're going to be lifelong. So anyway, that's kind of my closing thoughts on that. So thank you so much for watching. Stay informed. Stay tuned in. Subscribe, like, and share this with others. So thank you, everybody, for watching. I'm Jason Mangum. I'm Mark Anderson. Thanks. We'll see you next time. God bless.